Hey, hey, welcome back to Parentheses the Podcast. My name is Belle, and this is my podcast where I talk about all things business, branding, copywriting, books I'm reading, pretty much anything I feel like talking about. And ladies and gentlemen, I am coming off of a a soft uh, week, a, I don't know, okay, wow, we're starting off rough. I'm going to say right off the bat that um, this week has been a little bit, I've been feeling sensitive this week, been feeling a little slow, been feeling a little, um, like, not my usual, Um, and that's okay. Every time, you know, every so often, I feel like we all have weeks like that where you're just feeling a little off, a little soft or slow or sensitive or any of those things. And that's kind of how I was feeling this week. I think that for me, those, uh, those weeks are always really tough because obviously I'm a bit of a, a a go-getter, a bit of an energizer bunny, um, when it comes to like getting things done and checking things off the list and moving things forward and being motivated and all those things. And so then when there are weeks where I'm just like, I do not want to do anything (laughs) and, um, my mood is a little bit all over the place, then it can always throw me off a little bit. But, um, but it is sunny out again today and the sun is always a good, it's a good turnaround tool, um, when it comes to mindset and shifting your mood. So I am hoping to step out and get some sunshine at some point today. And, um, yeah, and I have lots of fun things and cool things to share with you today. And I'm really excited for the bulk of the episode, which is going to be all about social proof, um, or showing how you can add value to your clients through your website and other marketing materials. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and I have some cool recaps from last weekend. The weekend was fantastic. Um, if you listened to last week's episode, you know that I went to Banff, um, which was amazing. We got, um, we won a radio contest, which I've never won anything that big. I don't think before. (laughs) Uh, so that was really cool. And we got to stay in a beautiful Elkin Avenue hotel in Banff, um, it I have some stories about the hotel, but the hotel was great. Actually, we've, we've been inside the hotel. Uh, they have a lovely restaurant in the bottom actually. Um, and we've actually been in the restaurant before and walked around the, the bottom of the hotel, but had never stayed there before. So it was really cool to do that over the weekend. Um, so that's what the radio contest was, was two nights at the hotel. You won for you and a guest. Um, so I took Josh with me and, um, a bunch of our friends won as well. So we were all staying there, which was great. And then two concerts, one, the first night and one the second night. And, um, I only made it to one, (laughs) which I will explain further. Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll give a recap of the, the weekend. I also saw a really good movie, uh, this week that I wanted to share a bit of a review with you. Um, but overall just wanted to say that if you are feeling sensitive or feeling a shift into, um, or if you've had a week where you've been kind of feeling down or off or whatever, just know I'm with you. I very much feel you. And, as always, this too shall pass. I always think of that, like even super fun times. I'm like, this also will pass soon. So like nothing stays the same forever and you might as well just kind of ride it out and enjoy the good things and just ride out the less good. And it has been a good week. It's just been kind of slow. And I think I'm adjusting to it being so cold outside too. So it's just harder for me to get out um, outside as easy. Sometimes I would just go and like hang out on my patio or do yoga out there or something. And now it is really, really, really cold. And so I'm not doing that quite as much. So I'm just having to kind of adjust my, my patterns a little bit. Um, 
and um, also coming off of like a really busy, crazy weekend where I was away all weekend. I haven't done that in a hot minute as well. And the same as when I went back to visit family for a week uh, last month. I think I just need a second when I get back from trips like that to kind of readjust. Um, and that's really fine. So anyways, I am excited to be on the episode today and excited to share some fun stuff with you. And I think we should just get into it. Okay, so starting with recap of the BAMP weekend. Um, So as I I kind of explained how we got there and um, what kind of the the general gist of the the schedule was for while we were there, Um, but I wanted to give some just like tips and tricks if anyone uh, is going to visit BAMP or uh, just even if you're interested in what we did while we were there, I wanted to get a little bit further into it. So BAMP is um, a really unique place because it's based in a park, like in a big, um, oh geez, national no provincial park it's in a big provincial or national park and I know some people are going to be shaking their heads that I don't know which one it is but um it's kind of unique in that way because it really is almost like built as a tourism place but it like their Wendy's is like very much (laughs) looks like a log cabin and stuff like they really they dive into the the really like mountain town look of the place um but it still feels very like welcoming. It feels, it doesn't feel like it's like too crazy busy. And maybe it's just because when we were there, obviously it was cold. I have been there in the summer and it can get overwhelming, like many tourism focused places, but it is just a really like welcoming, lovely space. And you can see mountains on both sides as you're like walking the, the cute little um, shopping strip and stuff. So it's a really, really stunning place to visit. And a lot of people visit there, obviously, because it's close to a lot of really amazing views and mountains and skiing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, so we drove up on Friday after Josh finished work. And um, the last time I recorded an episode was right before we left. I was feeling a little rushed and hurried um, because we were heading out relatively quickly after he was done. And I had to get a bunch of stuff together. So I went and like picked up some food, some snacks, some drinks, and um, a costume for the one night, which was a costume party or not party, like costume. Everyone dressed up to go to the concert pretty much. And um, and I was really excited as I was heading out, as we were driving out and you like drive kind of when you're driving away from Calgary into the mountains, you have like this, I would say like 45 minute stretch where it's just like super flat um, and the mountains are like right directly in front of you and you're just driving through like farmland and then you hit the mountains and it's like so, so stunning. And every time I enter back into the mountains from that kind of flat drive um, and I know we're, we're like we're heading into mountain the Rocky Mountains pretty much, I just get this like crazy, amazing feeling. Like I I really think I'm a mountain girl and I just love it so, so much. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it's the best feeling. I honestly, like it's lovely to go in and do a hike and all that kind of thing, but even just to get close to them, you just have this crazy feeling. I think a lot of people feel this way about the ocean if they uh, weren't like raised next to the ocean and stuff as well, or feel this way about really big lakes. If you go out to like the big, huge lakes out, um, on the East coast of Canada or like Eastern Canada, I think a lot of people, if you're just not used to something as much and you see this vastness, you get this like really amazing feeling in your heart. Like almost like you feel so small, but also it's like so magnificent and you're like in awe almost. Anyway, so I, I get the feeling every time we head into the mountains and I just love it so much. It's like my favorite feeling. <laughs> and so we were driving through and we were talking about kind of what we were excited about uh, with the weekend and definitely was excited about 
staying in the hotel and getting kind of a weekend away because we had been um we've really like done honestly my partner and I haven't really done like a cute holiday like staycation since we moved because obviously after you move and especially for us because there was that whole moving you know van fiasco we had to like buy all new furniture and it was like quite a bit of time to get settled um but uh so we hadn't done like a weekend away and so we were really excited about that Um, And then we were also really excited to see who else was going to be there because we had our friends who were there as well, which was super fun. But it was really interesting uh, thinking about who else would have won this radio contest. We're like, we're really excited for some fun people watching, maybe making some new friends. And then also really excited about the sauna at the hotel. Um, Both Josh and I are big sauna fans. And um, we were actually saying, as soon as we get a house with a yard, one of those cute little mini saunas will be like a very big purchase right off the bat, I think, because we're we're very big fans. Um, So we were really excited about that as well. So we were heading out. We got there. It was packed. Like I've never been to... The hotel was completely booked out with the winners of this contest. And... It was so crazy hard to get in. There was this huge long lineup. I think we got there like right at the wrong time because other times there was not lineups to like to wait to get your room. And so we were waiting. I made friends in the lineup, of course. And so that was fun. Got to hang out with um, some different friends that we met uh, throughout the rest of the weekend, which was great. And so was chatting with some people in the lineup, waited forever. And we got the last um, underground parking spot, the very, very last one in the whole hotel, because they obviously only have so much parking. They don't always book out the whole hotel. And they kind of say that as well. They're like, parking is very, um, like first come first serve. And so we got the, (laughs) the last possible spot. So we were so excited, felt like a win right off the bat. Um, went parked, went up. Our room was pretty cute. There was no view or anything. It was like really small, but the room itself was like really nice. The hotel is lovely. Um, it's a, it's an actual maze though, to get around. It's, it really reminds me of like a ski lodge that kind of got renovated to be a really nice, cute hotel, if that makes sense. Because there's all these different stairs that lead to different sections of the hotel But there's not like one set of stairs that just goes all the way up the three floors, if you know what I mean. So, you know, in like newer hotels, obviously, you like just go up one flight of stairs, go onto the first floor, go up and you could just continue up until you hit the third floor. This is not like that. It's like a maze. There's like different stairs at different points. There's like two elevators. And of course, the hotel was full. And so elevators were busy. And so it was just a bit of a maze walking around. We got lost several times. (laughs) Once we got ourselves situated between like our one friend's room and where the hot tub was and um where the lobby was like we were fine (laughs) but it was definitely a little bit of a maze initially um but it was really nice the room was good and what I really loved I thought it was so smart is um all the sponsors had uh put together like this great like merch kind of layout on the um bed so when you arrived there was like all this fun merch that was sitting on the bed and like water was available and they had like prepped these like sparkling water kind of things that they put on the side there was hats and bags and tickets to different events and like little free gift cards to things that the sponsors had all put together so I thought that was really smart and nothing was like you know when you sometimes go to events like that and 
you look at the the merch they've kind of provided and you're like, oh shoot, I like won't use any of this. And it was actually a lot of really useful stuff. Like they had really thought about that. So that was really cool. I think that's such a smart thing when you're doing any kind of event is like really think about, and actually I'm helping, um, uh, my team put together uh, an event, actually, um, our second retreat, if anyone remembers me talking about the retreat that um, the AC team put on in Mexico this past year, we're doing our next one. And that's something that we've been doing a lot of thinking about is like strategic merch that's actually going to be useful um, and like look cool and be something people genuinely want to use. Um, and so that's, yeah, I think such a smart thing to do when you're doing any kind of event planning. Um, yeah, so that was really nice. We did get to use the sauna once that weekend. Um, unfortunately it was closed the last morning we were there. And so we only ended up getting to use it once, which was kind of a bummer, but the sauna was really nice. And honestly, my favorite part was that we were alone in it when we went down to use it. There was like no one else in it at that point. And so that was really great. I think I'm fine with like making friends in a sauna and stuff like that's fine, but it was a really small one. And so it just would have felt, I think, a little bit claustrophobic or a little bit weird if like there's a ton of people in there um, and us trying to squeeze in. So I was really happy that we got to use it. We sat in there for like 25 minutes. Um, It wasn't the hottest sauna I've ever been in. That's why we stayed in a little longer. Um, But it was amazing. It was so fun. And then actually when we came out, there was this guy who was sitting in the hot tub and he he thought he was alone in there because we were in there for in the sauna for so long. And he was like, what have you guys been in there the entire time? So we kind of surprised him, which was funny, but that was amazing. Definitely a highlight was getting to use this really cool. And it was, it very much felt like a ski lodge sauna. Um, like it had the old school timer in there and stuff, which was kind of fun. Um, so that was really good. So definitely a highlight then. Um, another highlight for sure was getting to go with all of our pals and go to the beaches on night one. That's who headlined the first concert night. Um, I was not like the hugest, uh, beaches fan and not that I don't like their music. I just haven't listened to them a ton. I've heard them at a couple different, um, events and concerts, but I just hadn't ever gone to like a specific concert just to see them. And so it was really fun. I had tried to listen to a bunch of their songs ahead of time. They all dressed up in different fun costumes and were so good like they are so talented it was a great show we actually ended up getting to be really close to the stage which I wasn't really expecting um but it was great it was really really fun show um it was like the perfect um amount of time too like I didn't stay out um too much later after they finished and they finished at like 12 40 so was home in bed 1 1 a.m got to sleep had a nice long sleep and next morning was feeling good and we went out for a nice walk along the shopping strip the like the cute little street with all the different shops um got coffee like it was just a really nice I thought it was like really nicely timed um sometimes when concerts um like headliners start too late and maybe I'm just an old lady but I (laughs) I struggle when um they push the, the headliner starting like way too late and then now I have to stay up until wee hours when I much prefer to be home at um I feel like between 12 and one is like perfect. And then you go to bed and you're like ready for the next day. So that was my experience. Anyways, (laughs) a few of our friends stayed out a little later, but, um, I really enjoyed, uh, the, the, the timing of it and everything. And the show was phenomenal. Like so, so good. Um, and it just, it was nice getting to walk around Banff. I love the mountain views in the morning. Um, 
Yeah, it was just really, really wonderful. And picked up a couple early birthday presents for a couple people in my family of birthdays and Christmas and stuff coming up. Um, So that was cute. And yeah, just wandered around, looked at shops for the rest of that day, grabbed some breakfast. Um, We had a really delicious breakfast at um, actually the restaurant that's at the bottom of Elkin Avenue. Um, I believe it's called farm and fire or something like that. It was like a double F name. Um, and I, we both had the two like bowls and they switch up their menu a lot. It's kind of a bit of a fancier place. I would really recommend, even if you're not staying in the hotel to go to this restaurant, um, that's at the bottom of it because it is really, really wonderful. We've gone there for lunch, um, like lunchy dinner before. And then we went for brunch this time and both times have been absolutely delicious, like really, really beautiful. Um, and just the interior is really lovely too. Like it's a really nice, um, nicely laid out restaurant and all of the decor is really beautiful. So yeah, so that was really good. And, um, yeah, took some breaks throughout the day, kind of chilled out a little bit. It was very like chill vibes the whole time, which was lovely. And, um, found this one spot, uh, I I know I'm like getting deep into all of this, but it's kind of fun. Um, getting to recap a little bit. And the one, uh, the one thing I would really recommend is like, as you're wandering around, trust your gut. If you see somewhere that you're like, I think we should go there. Like, I think we should go check this spot out because it was like kind of middle of the afternoon, like around happy hour time, I guess. And we were kind of wandering around and yes, I was wearing my new coat, <laughs> which worked out really well. Cause it was cold. And, um, we were wandering around and I found this spot in the morning and I was like, that looks like a great spot. Like we should definitely go check this out. And sometimes, I don't know if you agree, but sometimes when you're with a bunch of friends and you suggest the place you go, you feel like a lot of pressure that it like has to be good. Um, I had never been here before, so it's not like I was saying this place is amazing and then it wasn't, but there's always that like extra added pressure of like, if this is bad, like I'm the one that suggested it. So I suggested later in the day, like after we had kind of just chilled out for most of the day, um, around happy hour time, I was like, oh, we could go check out this spot I spotted this morning. And it's called three bears brewing and it's kind of tucked away in like the behind part of Banff like there's the main strip and there's like some kind of side streets and secondary cute little streets but it it was not on the main strip it was like on one of the side ones and I spotted it earlier that morning we went back to it with a couple friends later that afternoon and oh my gosh it was completely the best Um, and maybe just more my vibe. Like I, I really, really enjoyed, but there was this cute little fire in the middle of the table. We ended up sitting outside, which was great. They had like heat lamps and these, this cute little fire in the middle of the table and they had pizza on special and like their home beers were on special as well. And there was live music. This woman was so talented, um, who was singing and it was just like really, really chill, great vibes. And it was, it was so validating because I had spotted it earlier and I was like, that looks fun. And then when we went later, it was actually just as fun as I wanted it to be, which was so nice because as I said, sometimes, uh, it can feel, um, like there's a little bit of pressure if you're the one suggesting a spot. So yeah, it was just, it was wonderful. I really recommend checking that spot out and Yeah, the rest of the weekend was great. I ended up not going out the second night because honestly, because I didn't really want to do another night of concerts. My feet were hurting at that point a little bit from all the walking and I was pretty tired. I ended up sleeping for like 10 hours that night um, and it was amazing. I'm so glad I made that call. The concert was definitely not as much my style of music. Um, 
for the second night. And so it just ended up working out really well that I stayed in and, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, and then the next morning we hit up Canmore a little bit on the way home. Uh, Canmore is like the less touristy version of Banff and it's great vibes, like really, really nice. Same thing kind of has a cute little downtown shopping kind of strip area. We grabbed bagels and coffee and it was lovely. And then we headed home and it was overall just a really lovely weekend. So yeah, that's my little my little recap. Went a little longer than I was planning on, but there were some fun things to share. And last thing I wanted to share personal-wise is just this great movie review because I have heard literally no one talk about this movie, and I'm not really sure why. Um, it stars Saoirse Ronan, who, of course, the best, and Sam Rockwell, um, who I like quite a bit as well. I've, like, I like him in lots of the movies he's in. Um, it's called See How They Run, and it just got on to Disney Plus, I believe. I think that's what we watched it on the other night. And um, it was just in theaters super recently, so it got on to Disney Plus like really quickly. And we had originally wanted to watch it in theaters, and I think we had even planned um, a time to do that, and maybe it just didn't work out or something, but we had been wanting to see it. And then when it came out on Disney, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to watch it this week. So we ended up watching it this week, and guys, it is such a good movie. It's so good. Saoirse Ronan is hilarious. The idea is, is that it's like kind of a satire or a comedy of a whodunit. So see how they run is not an Agatha Christie novel. I know it sounds like it might be, but it's not. Um, but the, the, the movie like revolves around, um, that there's this play, an Agatha Christie play, like a play based on an Agatha Christie novel uh, called The Mousetrap. And like someone gets killed right off the bat and they like try to solve it. So it is, it's a whodunit that like makes fun of whodunits. Um, So if you've ever, you know, watched um, uh, Knives Out or uh, Murder on the Orient Express or any of those kind of classic whodunits um, that are kind of more modern and you really like them, I think you'd really like this movie. It was super funny, um, really charming. Um, we called out a couple things. Like at one point they're doing this one thing and I was like, that's exactly what's going to happen at the end. And then like that kind of happens. And it's this whole thing where you can kind of spot these little puzzle pieces coming together. I did not guess the ending though. Like I did not guess the big reveal. So that says something. Um, cause I'm a big whodunit fan. So sometimes I do, <laughs> but anyways, it was really, really awesome. Um, really highly recommend and it is on Disney plus. So if you are a fan of that type, uh, type of movie, um, I would, yeah, really recommend you watch. Okay. So now that's pretty much it for personal updates. And I don't know if it's just talking about last weekend, but I'm in a better mood already, guys. I really am. <laughs> so thank you for listening and hearing me shift my mood as I head into the rest of the week. <laughs> um, but I want to talk this week um, for the businessy, you know, copywriting, marketing stuff um, for this week. I wanted to talk about social proof on your website and across marketing platforms in general. Um, I wanted to start off by, of course, explaining what social proof is, if you don't know. And social proof is pretty much anything that shows the value that you provide as a business to your potential customers. So um, what this often does is helps with showing your value and showing your value in a way that's not just you talking about your value. So you know how sometimes on websites you'll like be reading, you know, sections where they're like, hey, here's all the awesome things I do or here's some cool things that I can help you with. 
that's not social proof. That's copywriting. That's like conversion focused copywriting where they're just explaining. Um, what I'm talking about is when you're on a website and you see like a customer testimonial really big on the, you know, near the top of the page that says like, I, um, I use this water bottle every single day and, um, it helps me drink, you know, this much more water, blah, 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 blah. So anything like that, like a customer testimonial or a case study or a before and after, like anything that is showing you the tangible value that someone else has received from working with this creator or working with this product or using this service or whatever that is, anything like that is what we call social proof. And I'm going to really go through a bunch of examples and like how you can use them in different ways and ways that you maybe shouldn't use them because it's like a little overdone or, or can sometimes not get across what you're trying to. So pretty much that's what we're going to be talking about today. And um, this is valuable for a lot of reasons. I just want to touch on that as well. So um, it's valuable because especially on your website, we want to, like any website, of course, should tell your story and should create buy-in and build trust and all these amazing things. Um, but it also needs to convert. If you have a website that doesn't actually, you know, the result in people purchasing your product or booking your service or whatever that is, if your website doesn't do that, like it's not working, right? It's not working for your business. Um, and so that's where conversion comes in. And what a lot of people struggle with is like, well, how do I get more conversion on my website? Like, how do I naturally do that? And social proof is a huge piece of that. It's a big part of like showing that, first of all, your, let's use a service, for example, showing that your service works. So showing that, um, there are actual results that come from it, but what it also does is shows that other people have used it. And for some reason, people are a lot more likely to buy something that other people like. (laughs) That's like our, you know, this is where psychology comes into marketing, right? Is the more that we can kind of showcase that a lot of other people have used this and it worked or have, use this service and they got the result they were looking for, the more that we can show that, the better chance that you're going to be able to convert someone in your website or, um, social proof can also be used in things like emails or things like social media or, um, any kind of marketing platform. And I, I think it's really important to be keeping an eye out for it too, and making sure that you have some, you know, somewhere in your marketing that you are showing that other people have used this, that they like it, that they got value. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. Okay. So talked about kind of what it is, why it's important, why it matters to your business. Um, I want to talk about some examples now and the examples I want to touch on. I have a little list here and I'm going to kind of explain a little bit about why each one works and kind of ideas for where to put them, um, do's and don'ts, that kind of thing. So, okay, so let's start with something that most people think of as being like the go-to social proof, which is testimonials. So testimonials are, of of course, um, someone saying something nice or positive about your product or service. Um, Often it has their name attached. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't have their full name. Sometimes it is taken from like Google reviews, that kind of thing. Um, reviews are kind of a separate thing. So I'm going to try to keep those separate just to kind of <laughs> give you some, some context. Um, but testimonials, if you go on a website, you'll see, you know, um, words from our customers or, um, 
you know, here's what our customers love about us or something like that. And there will be these different testimonials. And sometimes there will be several of them. Sometimes there's just really one big one that's really powerful. So a couple things to note about testimonials. Testimonials are awesome. Of course, it's great to know that other people are saying nice things about your service or your product um, or your brand or whatever. Here are a couple things I see though that people do that don't work really well with testimonials. And I see this a lot, especially now. Um, Testimonials are awesome if they relate to a common problem. So if your testimonial is just someone saying like, we love this brand, like let's just use, I don't know, um, trying to think, we love Apple products. If someone's just like, we love Apple products, that's not really specific. It's not really getting to like a key pain point that Apple products solved or anything like that. Um, Apple's probably a bad example because they don't really even need testimonials at this point. But um, you know what I mean? Like if it's just very vague, it doesn't really like say anything specific, but there's also the testimonials I see where someone will say like, hey, I was struggling with this exact tiny little thing and here's how it helped me. That is great as long as lots of other people have that pain point. So there's kind of this this in-between of someone saying like, here's why I love this product. Um, Here's what it does for me. Um, And those are really, really valuable, those kinds of testimonials. The other thing that is really valuable is if you can have someone's face on it. And I know that's a little bit trickier, obviously, um, you know, that takes a little bit more strategy. Um, but having people's faces connected to testimonials really does help with the credibility of those testimonials. So even for example, if you, if you're a photographer, let's say you're a photographer, I always go back to this example, (laughs) but if you're a photographer and you are trying to put a bunch of testimonials on your website, something that you could do is have like the photo, like a photo of them or from their session and then the testimonial next to it. So it kind of like does two things. It like showcases your work, puts a face to, I know this is silly, but like puts a face to a saying, puts a face to a testimonial. Um, Another thing you can do with testimonials is of course have like them saying it in a video. That's where you get a little bit even further into your content where you want to be using even, you know, better content and making more specific content for your social proof. Um, but having, you know, one of your customers come in and do a video about, you know, what they enjoy about your product or service that is super valuable as well. Um, so yeah, that's just like a few overall tips. Like don't have them too vague. Don't have them too long because no one will read them. Um, have a have a name attached to it if possible. That's always what I say. It's like if possible. Definitely always have a name attached to it. You don't have to have their full name if like, for example, you don't want to share their full name or if maybe they don't want you to. It's totally fine to do like first name, last initial. Like that's totally fine as well. Um, but I would just make sure that you know that testimonials are valuable and especially when they have faces to them, especially when they're video testimonials, super, super valuable, but they're definitely not like the end all be all. There's a lot of things people can see on your website or in your marketing that's going to make an even bigger impact. Um, and the way that I look at social proof is like, we need to have a mix. We can't just have testimonials and we can't just have case studies. Like we need to have a mix of all these different, um, social proof formats so that, um, it's clear across every part of your marketing. Um, the kinds of results and the kinds of value that you share as a business. So those are a couple notes on testimonials, things that I see that work, things that I see that don't work quite as well. Um, But definitely always be making sure you are capturing um, testimonials. That's a big thing I I help business owners with is that they just don't have the systems in place to be capturing that information. Um, I would really recommend putting together a bit of a system where you always like include that in your process of either like if you are a 
I don't know, if you are a photographer that you always send a follow-up email that asks for feedback um, and maybe you send a reminder email and those are automated and then you have a form that they just fill in and it's really short and easy for them to fill in like their thoughts um, and then you turn that into a testimonial and put that on your website. So that's an easy way. Um, Another one would be like if you are a um, physical store and you want to make sure you're getting like positive reviews, um, or positive testimonials for your website. Um, that's where I would look through your reviews, like push everyone to do Google reviews and then use some of those Google reviews on your website. Cause you are allowed to do that. And you can even say front, like from Google reviews, if that makes sense. So that kind of leads into the review thing. Cause technically testimonials and reviews are different. Um, reviews are extremely valuable. If you are a, uh, physical uh, location business, like extremely valuable. And in fact, even if you are not a physical location business, reviews are still super, super valuable. Um, I would say probably more valuable than just gathering testimonials in a form. Um, because reviews on Google, this is what I'm talking about, Google reviews specifically, um, where they put a review into your, into your Google, my business, those are uh, something that Google kind of pays attention to when it's trying to decide how valuable your website is. Um, when people are looking for a business uh, or service or product, they often will look at reviews to see what people say. Um, and it's also uh, the reason why is not just because Google cares about you know your reviews, but it also people like customers, potential customers will look because unlike a testimonial that you can kind of put on your website or not put on your website, depending on what people say, Um, a review just goes on there. People will just share their honest thoughts and you didn't get to vet those thoughts um, the same way that a testimonial on a website uh, looks like you maybe could have. So there's just a little bit more credibility built into the reviews. So um, reviews are different because of course you, you know, those are in a specific place, but what's great is you can use those in other places. So you can kind of take a review and turn it into a testimonial that you put on your site in emails, those kinds of things. Um, so I would definitely recommend, especially if you are a brick and mortar business, um, or a service-based business that people are like Googling for online, um, really, really recommend putting a system in place to drive people towards your Google reviews. Um, One thing that can work is, as I said, like follow-up emails or reminders, like, hey, if you loved working with us, like we would love to hear from you and have a little link to where they can put a review. Um, The other thought though is sometimes if you are someone who does maybe like like let's use photography as an example. And you know that sometimes people aren't as wouldn't be as great as leaving for leaving a review. Sometimes like people just aren't the right personality that they would write something super kind. Sometimes like there can be issues with services or something like that. Like sometimes people just get nitpicky. Um, and so there's also the, the strategy of not sending everyone to leave a Google review, but instead asking people to like rate your services out of five stars. Um, and then if they put like five stars, then saying, Hey, like we would love if you would leave a Google review. I know that's like a little bit sneaky, but it's, I really think of it as more being strategic because ultimately you don't want every single person to be leaving a review anyways. If they like, we're like, oh yeah, it was fine. Like that was all good. Then really they're not the people you want to be like really pushing towards Google reviews anyways. And if they want to leave one, it's always available to them. Anyhow, you're just not encouraging it. So that's one thing to note about reviews and the kind of the difference between them and testimonials. Okay. I'm going to take a quick sip of my coffee. Hold on one second. Okay. I'm back. Um, my coffee is getting cold. I will have to warm it up, um, (laughs) when we are done. Um, okay. So we've talked about testimonials, talked about reviews. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is case studies. Um, and so this is something that, um, 
there's a few ways you can share case studies. Obviously, you probably have an idea of what a case study is. It's like using a specific person or or company that you've worked with as like an example and showing what working with them was like, showing the results they got, showing their problems, kind of how you solved them. Um, it's really supposed to kind of show to people like here's what a full um, study of working with me kind of looks like and the results that this specific company got. Um, this does not work for every business. Just to be clear, this isn't, this isn't like reviews or testimonials where it kind of applies to everyone. This is very specific to like consultants or people who do a little bit deeper work or, um, uh, maybe a, like a higher ticket price point item where you're going to want to see like, for example, a copywriter, like having, you know, examples of here's exactly what happened when I worked with this specific person on their website and here's how that went and here's the results they ended up getting and here's blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's definitely a higher ticket item kind of social proof, um, tool. And it's also not built for every single business, but they can be extremely valuable if you are, if you do fit that kind of criteria as a business. Um, and I would really recommend a lot of times people have case studies as like, Hey, download one of our case studies here. That's one way to do it. I really don't think that is the way to get the most value out of the case study. There's a few reasons for that. Um, one is that now they just have this PDF that they may not even like look at. Um, and you can't see if they've looked at it. Like you can't see how many people have been looking at that. You can see how many people downloaded it, but not how many people actually read it. Um, so that's one thing. And then also, um, I just don't love that now they just have this kind of resource thing from me that they could repurpose in different ways if I don't have like the right trademark and stuff on it. So it's, I just don't think it's maybe quite the way to go. Um, sometimes it can work, but I really prefer the way of creating case studies as blog posts. Um, and you can segment blog posts into different types. So you could have like resource focused blog posts or education or whatever. And then you could have case study blog posts and they could kind of have that as their category. Um, but I really recommend this because for a few reasons, number one is it gets you more blog content, which is good for your SEO as we know. Um, but it also really helps with, um, seeing who is looking at it. Not that you can like see exactly who it is, who's looking at it, but that you can just see how many people are clicking on these case studies and you can see which ones are getting the better traction, which ones are maybe getting people to stay on the page longer, that kind of thing. Um, and so that's really a, a helpful thing to have on your site that people can kind of look at directly when it comes to case studies, obviously having a lot of valuable information in there about, um, who it is you were working with, what challenges they had, um, how you approach the problem. Here's the results that happened. Um, and then here's maybe some testimonials or some numbers that kind of back up these, um, this, this kind of story that I've been telling about what happened. Um, so that's a really great tool, as I said, for if you are that higher ticket item, if you are someone who maybe works more one-on-one -on -one with people, um, or if you're like a business coach, consultant, someone who really maybe before someone buys into working with you, they want to like hear a little bit more about some actual examples of who you've worked with and how that went for them. So that's my thought on case studies. I think you should have them as blog content. And I think that um, as long as you include a whole bunch of that information I just mentioned, they can be really, really valuable. Um, next is another one that's only really kind of useful for certain business types, but that's before and afters. So before and afters are like the before photo, the after photo. Um, this can actually be done though in lots of different ways. So there's of, co of course the photo option and this works for like, let's say you're a lawn care company or let's say you're a an interior designer or let's say you are a hairstylist or something like that. Like before and afters can be super, super impactful. Um, 
which is great if you have like a very visual focused product or service or something that there's a clear like change to something. Um, and what I mean by change to something is you could also have before and afters of numbers. So like you can have a before, uh, people were, I don't know if you're a social media manager, you could say before they had this many followers and we grew them to this many followers. So there's kind of things like that. You can kind of play with the before and after structure, or you could say, this is what their feed looked like before. And now it looks like this. And you can see like, oh my gosh, it looks so much better. And then you can have numbers underneath that to kind of highlight the specific differences. So before and afters are really, really valuable if they work for your type of business. And, um, it's also really nice to have like a whole bunch of these. I feel like a lot of people really want to just have like, here's the before and here's the after sometimes having the before a little bit smaller is nice too, because then you can like see the after and it looks more impressive. And I would say you can add these all over the place if they work for your, um, business, like have these on your social media, showcase them in emails, um, put them on Pinterest is a great one. Um, like anything you're doing where you can kind of share it in as many places as possible. And it's a visual is really, really helpful for marketing, um, these days. So I'm not sure if you've ever seen that, uh, it's like a TikTok uh, account and it's this hairstyle company and they always do men's hairstyles before and after. And the guy like explains what he's going to do before he does it. And then you see the before video and then the after video and you don't see him do it or anything. You just see what it, their hair looked like before and what it looked like after. And it is so addicting. It's so interesting. Um, it really showcases their talent and their expertise and, um, it's really impressive. So things like that are really useful to repurpose across different marketing platforms for sure. Okay. Next up is what I've been talking about a bit this whole time, which is numbers. And I'm talking about specific results. So if you've ever been to a website where probably close to the top or like definitely close to the top on like a services page, but sometimes even close to the top on home pages, you'll see like a bunch of big numbers and it'll say like, for example, like 44%. And then underneath small, it'll say something like, um, increase, uh, increased click-through rates, 44% for all clients last in, in the past 12 months or something like that. Like it'll have a specific data point. And I've really noticed a lot of people leaning into this. And I think the reason why is because especially when you're looking for things, um, that are in kind of saturated spaces, it can be tough to know like, well, who's getting real results for their clients or, um, what products are like actually making a big difference and seeing numbers for some reason, like really resonates in our psyche and our psychology, um, when it comes to like feeling like there are tangible, um, results or tangible like solutions that you can get from this product or service. Um, this is, you can use numbers in all different ways though. It doesn't just need to be like data points. You can also say, for example, um, uh, like hundred plus, uh, community members or, and growing or something like that. Like you can put like how many people are in your community. You could put, um, like how many, um, projects you've worked on in the past, you know, year or something like that. Anything that's going to be valuable to your, um, potential client or customer that they would feel impressed by, or they'd go like, Oh, that's actually really valuable. Or, Oh, that that's great. Anything that's going to show that positive value, um, is worth, I think putting as like a data point somewhere on your website. I like the format where it's like, there's a little strip, like a bar across your website and you put a few numbers within that. I think that looks really good. Um, but just inserting data points in like case studies even works really well or in testimonials even works really, really well. So, um, just always be thinking about the numerical, um, ways that you can share value, um, 
through different parts of your marketing. Um, okay. I have two more. I think that's it. Two more. Um, the first step, and they're kind of similar a little bit. First step is showcasing like awards and things that you've accomplished. Um, this again only really works for if you are someone who's been around for a while, or maybe you've won some kind of prestigious awards. Um, I'm actually, again, don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I'm actually kind of of the team. Like if you've won like a few tiny awards, like years and years and years ago, I actually don't know if it's worth putting them on your website. Um, especially if it's not directly related to something that is happening with your business now. Um, so I think as long as everything that you're putting on your website to like show your value is relevant, um, and timely and, um, will actually make an impact. So if there's like this tiny little award from a million years ago, like back when you were in college or something, and it's been, you know, 15 years and it doesn't even really relate to something you're doing now with your business. Um, I'd actually just not put it on. I know some people are like, just load it up with like all the cool things. I'm like, I don't know. I think it makes more sense to have like two little awards that you kind of showcase near the top or something, um, that, that, that are actually related to what you're talking about as opposed to, um, you know, like 10 huge award banner things when some of them are just not going to make sense to people. Um, so I definitely think less is more when it comes to that and it has to be very relevant, but it is really nice to have. It shows definitely some really good, um, uh, it shows a lot of good stuff, obviously to your potential clients. Um, to have awards or, or logos of things that you've um, been acknowledged in and stuff like that. What I actually think is more valuable when it comes to logos and like showcasing kind of your, the highlights of, of your business, your career or whatever, I actually think it makes more sense to have the logos of either people you've worked with um, or places your clients have been featured. That's another big one that's happening right now. So let's say you are a lawn care company and you work with a lot of um, different cool businesses across the U S and the UK or something. So first of all, making sure that that's clear everyone, on your website, of course, but then having like logos somewhere, I would recommend keeping it higher on the page, actually higher on your homepage and services page. Cause it's going to pack a big punch, um, logos of like recognizable businesses that you've done there, like lawn and greenery and landscaping care or something, having that above at the, near the top somewhere, um, is going to make a big impact, especially as I said, if it's relevant, like you're trying to attract more of those big clients. <laughs> if you're not, obviously don't put that there because you're not trying to, you know, get in front of those people. Um, but if you are really trying to get more of those high profile clients, having that right at the top will like give you a big boost um, of social proof. And um, it'll also uh, give a lot of validation towards your work, right? Because people will be like, oh, I know that company and they wouldn't, you know, work with a lame lawn care company, that kind of thing. Um, so that's like worked with, um, and the other option, if you work with probably some smaller brands who maybe like don't have as much gravitas when someone sees their logo, something that you could do is say like, here's where my clients have been featured and you could put different magazines that your clients have been featured in or different publications or even awards they've won. Not again, you always want to be super upfront, like not saying like we've been featured in Vogue or something, but if a client you've worked with got a feature in Vogue, like a product was featured or something, um, you can totally say that you can say, and it gives this, um, it just shows like the level of businesses that you are working with are getting featured in these publications or websites or, um, getting these awards type thing. So having logos like that, um, and clearly saying, don't just have, you know, logos listed up there and don't say what they're for. <laughs> Make sure you say like, 
um, clients with, with clients featured in, and then a bunch of logos or something like that. Um, so make sure you're clear and you're not trying to like lead people in the wrong direction, trying to say like, look at how cool it is that we have these logos on our website, make sure it makes sense. Um, but that's a really, really handy way to showcase some social proof. If you work with maybe smaller brands or brands that not as many people are familiar with, um, it's a good way to kind of, uh, get around that a little bit in some of your, your social proof on your website. Um, yeah. And just, um, last kind of note, just overall on the social proof is website is something I was really focusing on in this conversation. Cause that's where a lot of this conversion focused content, um, comes in. Um, but just a reminder that it is always worth sharing a lot of this content in all aspects of your marketing channels. So, um, you know, doing a highlight of places that might clients have been featured in and doing a cute little video on that and sharing that to Instagram and TikTok or something. That's a great idea. Um, I often find that anything clients post about, uh, social proof wise, like if they post testimonials or if they post like some results, just know that that will likely get less traction than just like casual, you know, more personal content, like behind the scenes, of the business, or, you know, talking to the founder or day in the life, like that will, that kind of more casual content will definitely get, um, higher engagement, but it is still valuable to have that, uh, social proof content somewhere on your social media, in your emails, that kind of thing, because even if not as many people are like quite as interested in it, it will still show the value that you're providing and, um, just validate your offer and your value, um, to potential leads. So that's just something to keep in mind is it's not going to like blow up your Instagram if you should, you know, showcase that, but it is going to be really valuable for the actual conversion focus of your business and of your marketing content. Okay. So I have been talking for a while now. This is longer than I was thinking this episode was going to be, which is, I think good. Cause there was lots, lots to share. Um, and I'm super curious if you use different types of social proof, I would love to hear like which ones have kind of been working the best for you, which ones you're going to try out on your website next, um, which ones you've been incorporating into more of your social content. Cause I know lots of people kind of struggle with incorporating it in and making it feel natural. Um, so I'm just super interested if you want to touch base with me on Instagram, I would love that. Um, my link is in, uh, the show notes if you want to connect that way. And, um, as always, I just so appreciate you listening. Um, I am in a much better mood after chatting with you for um, a while here. And um, so I thank you for that. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Please do rate and review if you haven't already. It helps me so, so much in sharing, sharing the podcast. And I will see you next week.